are continuing our uh, we are continuing our um, series on what's the, what's the title of the series? The what? The end? <laughs> the middle? The climax? The beginning? Amen. And if everybody could turn to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. You know what, sister? Uh, yeah, leave that right now. But everybody turn to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. If you don't have a Bible, please uh, share with one another if you can. A lot of you are actually missing your Bibles today. Wow. Not good, guys. And uh, today's message, if you could put up that, that one picture, uh, it's in order. Amen. So today's message is, an apple a day keeps the false prophet away. Amen. So our message is obviously going to be on false prophets, okay? And get, come on now, now. The question is, does your fruit produce light? Okay, you see that branch there? It's a branch of fruit, and now there's light bulbs on it. Now, is your branch, is your fruit producing light? The fruit that you produce as elevators, amen, as disciples, is it producing light? Okay? Are you eating an apple a day to keep that false prophet away? Amen? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Now let's uh, let's turn to your Bible, sister. You can leave that on there for just a slight second. And um, you know what? Where is that thing? The clicker. Do I have it up here? <laughs> Thank you, sir. That is express service. Thank you. Amen. Okay. So, what's the, what's the title of that of uh, of this passage? A tree. Okay. Now let's start in verse 15. And those of you who do not have a Bible, please listen closely. Watch out for what? Okay, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Put me down, sister, please, just a little bit. So watch out for the false prophets. Now this is now Jesus is talking about false prophets, false teachers who are going to teach you things that are not real, that are not true. They come to you in sheep's clothing, so they they look innocent, but inwardly. There are ferocious wolves, and I want to give you a visual of that, okay? Are you aware of wolves in sheep's clothing? Okay, are you aware? That looks like a sheep, but then it's a wolf. Okay, it's a little silly. I know it's funny. I put it up there for, for giggles and, and laughs and giggles. But guys, come on. I looked. I, I showed Davi this on my laptop yesterday. I'm like, dude, check this out. And he was like, what? It's a sheep. And I was like, Dude, look closer. And he was like, oh, it's a wolf. <laughs> and you see, even the best of us uh, could, could struggle with seeing that there's sheep, that there's wolves in sheep's clothing. You understand me? Amen. Brother, I forgive you. You're okay. He just, he just glanced at it. You know, certain angles at the laptop you can't see. But either way, you know what I mean? It's a good visual. That, that is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Beware of that. Okay? Hopefully you'll never see that in your life. But let's go to verse 16. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Now, as I was reading this, I'm like, what in the war world is a thistle? You know what I mean? I'm like, if I don't know what a thistle is and I don't know what a thorn bush is, I'm pretty sure Elevate is not going to know. So I went ahead and put that on there for you too. 
I was having fun with PowerPoint yesterday, man. I was just, I was having a blast. So thorn bushes, okay, that is a thorn bush, okay? And Jesus asked, asked us, do people pick grapes out of thorn bushes? Do people pick grapes out of this? No, right? You can't even put your hand in there. What about do, do people pick figs? And figs is a, it's like a pomegranate type of fruit. It's a really good fruit. Do people pick, uh, pick figs out of this, a, a thistle? No way, look, it's jagged. You can't even touch it. And you can barely see, but the leaves around it are, are thorny. You know what I mean? Like rose uh, stems. You see? Now, Jesus is making a point here, okay? So he's warning us about the false prophet. And he, warned, and he, he tells us we're able to recognize them by their fruit, by their fruit, okay? Do people pick grapes out of thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. By their fruit, by the fruit of the false prophet, you will recognize them, okay? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. That's pretty deep right there. Okay? So out of this passage, out of, a, uh, out of the passage of a tree and its fruit that Jesus preaches, we find four main topics. I find four main topics, okay? Number one, we find, uh, topic number one, we find false prophets. Topic number two, how to recognize the false prophet. Topic number three, the devil is a liar. <laughs> and the devil is a liar because... <laughs> the devil is a liar because he tells... Amen. And topic number four, not everyone is going to heaven. Okay? So, uh, topic number one, false prophets. Topic number two, how to recognize the false prophet. Topic number three, the devil is a liar. Topic number four, not everyone is going to heaven. Now, let's, go, let's break down false prophets. Turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. And sister, you go ahead and, and, and put that up for them, please. 1 Peter chapter 1. Let me get an amen. Were you there? All right. But there were, um, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. He gives us a warning. Okay, Peter gives us a warning, man. Peter gets down. He ain't playing. Just as there will be false teachers among you, there will be secretly introduced, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them. So he's saying they will secretly, in secret, they're not going to say, hey guys, I'm teaching false doctrine, I'm, th I'm teaching uh, the wrong things. No, they're going to secretly do it, and even they're even going to deny the Lord, the God who took them out of that thing. They're going to deny the God that broke down that wall for them. You understand me? Bringing swift destruction on themselves. Now, false prophets. Now I want to show you a video 
on what a false prophet looks like look like right now in modern times. Okay? False prophets. Now, what did it say? Peter says they will secretly, secretly introduce destructive heresies and even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, they will deny God who delivered them. Okay? Now, sister, whenever you're ready, go ahead, please. Put the volume up, please. second one sister uh, not just yet but when I say go ahead and play it um, isn't that crazy you see what what what's really dangerous about that quote-unquote Puerto Rican Jesus is the fact that the devil has him to- so tore up in the mind he has him so wrapped around the devil's pinky that that man actually believes he's Jesus 
he lied to him so much. He gave him these, these you know, quote-unquote dreams and visions and stuff like that, these revelations. The devil gave this man those things to the point where he actually believes that he is Jesus Christ, the second coming. You know what I mean? Blasphemous. He came, he, he comes in secretly introducing destructive heresies. You know what heresy is? It's, it's like, um, it's false teachings. Okay? False teachings. Like things that would be like, what? That would make you go, what? Like that. That's heresy. You understand know I me? Mean? People like that, if he said, I am Jesus, whatever, 2,000 years ago, I mean, I don't even know what they'll do to him. You know what I mean? Like now, yet now, we're, they're just like, that guy's crazy. Just let him do what he's doing. You know what I mean? But not knowing the secret destructive nature that is within him. Let's go to uh, a second one. A lot of you actually know this one. Another false, <clears throat> a false prophet. Okay, go ahead and play that for us, sister. Here, here. Let's play that back real quick, sister. And put the volume a little down. So I'm, I'm going to attempt to read all that. Hold on. Ah, pause it. Ah, it's lost forever in space. Okay, pause it. Put the volume down just a little bit. Now it's going to it's going to mention. Uh, I believe it's pronounced papyrus. Papyrus paper. Okay, that is paper. That is a plant. Okay, that the ancient Egyptians used, and a lot of uh, actually. Um, uh, the original church fathers, like the disciples, used to write, put, put scripture in and stuff like that. And you see a lot of the scrolls, okay? That's what really scrolls are made out of papyrus leaves, okay? And that's what it's going to uh, mention. A long time ago in a city too far. Oh, there you go. Not too far away. Joseph Smith, uh, the founder of the Mormons, acquired an Egyptian papyrus, which he claimed, thank you, contained the writings of Abraham in Egypt. In 1966, the same papyrus thought to have been lost was rediscovered at the something museum of art in New York. Some Mormons, uh, some Mormons question whether this papyrus is the same one used by Joseph Smith to translate the book of Abraham. Stop right there. The book of Abraham is, okay, the Mormons have three different books. They have the Bible, and they have two other books that they claim you cannot understand the Bible unless you read these two books first. That's what they claim, okay? And within that book uh, of the Book of Mormon is the Book of Abraham, okay? Like the Book of Abraham. Abraham is, no, Abraham is not the president. <laughs> Abraham is the father, right? The father of nations, right? Father Abraham, right? Like, so they think, they, think, they believe they have the book of Abraham. This is what Joseph Smith wrote, the book of Abraham, okay? Today, that question is answered. Go ahead. Here is a picture of the rediscovered papyrus. Take note of the sketching performed in the missing portions. Joseph Smith claimed that the papyrus depicted the idolatrous priest of Elkanah attempting to offer up Abraham as a sacrifice. Based on this assertion, he published Facsimile 1 in the Times and Seasons magazine. A copy of Facsimile 1 is shown on the right side. 
Even though it is obvious that facsimile 1 comes from this papyrus, some Mormons suggest that it could have come from a similar picture contained in the parts of the original papyrus that did not survive. This animation demonstrates that such an argument is baseless. Note how the images line up almost perfectly. Also note that these images were hand-drawn on the papyrus, so it is inconceivable that even a similar image would bear such a close resemblance to facsimile 1. Charles Larson, in his book titled, By His Own Hand Upon Papyrus, shows the professional reconstruction of the original scene in the papyrus. According to Egyptologists, it is actually a typical embalming scene found in the Egyptian Book of Breathings. and depicts Osiris lying on a lion couch, with the Egyptian god Anubis a typical with the giant's head bending over typical him. Egyptian drawing. The Egyptian texts surrounding the image support the fact that this is an embalming scene and not the attempted sacrifice of Abraham, as Joseph Smith claimed. This clearly demonstrates that Joseph Smith could not translate Egyptian and that the so-called Book of Abraham, believed by the Latter-day Saints to be Holy Scripture, was a pure fabrication. A lie. A lie. He got that. He, 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 uh, he it claimed that he was able to read Egyptian. That was proven. That was proven that he was not able to. Just that alone, but just other, other uh, findings proved that he was not able to do so. He was not a scholar in that way. And he, he found that drawing, and he said, oh, this is, a, this is proof that Abraham, the book of Abraham exists, and this is da da da, da that, you know, Abraham being sacrificed, but, uh, whatever, when actually it is a basic Egyptian drawing. You know what I mean? Back then, back when, back when he, uh, when he founded the church and found these beliefs, uh, they weren't very, uh, there weren't many Egyptian findings and stuff like that that like we have today, nowhere near the amount. And now, through studies and through findings, we see that Joseph Smith is indeed a false prophet, yet their organization is is here still. The devil's a liar. Amen? That will make you look like a fool. Say, I pity the fool. Man. So Jesus warns us. <clears throat> We're still on the topic of false prophets. Jesus warns us, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Okay? So false prophets and teachers will look, talk, and act normal to you. It will, and it will not be until you get more in depth with them, with their theology and beliefs and theology and study of God. So it won't be until you get more in depth with them and their beliefs and their theories that you will find out that, that, um, that they're not right. See, John tells us to test the spirit. John, okay? Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. Turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. Go ahead and put it up there for us, sister. First John chapter four. If you don't know where it is, look in the beginning of your Bibles, table of contents, New Testament towards the end. All right, let me get amen. Were you there? All right, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. John warns us about this, man. <clears throat> dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit. See, because many false prophets have gone into the world. 
You see, false prophets and teachers will even fool Christians because they base their message solidly on God's word and sincere concern for people's souls, right? You see, Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, people say, oh, but I love you. Like, they're concerned about souls. That's why they go out and they evangelize and they have missionaries and stuff like that. It, it will seem like they have sincere motives and sincere concern for the lost. But like many Pharisees in Jesus' day, in Jesus' time, they are full of greed and self-indulgence. That's found in Matthew 23, verse 25. Jesus, these are Jesus' exact words for the Pharisees. Greed and self-indulgence. They themselves were, were, were Jews. They acted one way, but they acted another way. They were hypocritical, and they were just uh, going out and just teaching heresy at times. See, Matthew, let's go to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. Let me get an amen when you're there. Amen. Okay. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs in which, which look beautiful on the outside, but the inside are full of dead men's bones. You see, who, who knows what whitewashed tombs are? You know those, 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 those tombs? In cemeteries, they look like houses almost, but they're made out of stone. And inside, there's like caskets. You guys, you guys know what I'm talking about there? Okay. He's, ta- he's, he's telling them that you're that. You are whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful with designs and everything on the outside. But on the inside, are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. You understand me? So they're good on the outside, but the inside, they're dead. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous. But on the inside, you are full of uh, hypocrisy and wickedness. Jesus lays it down to them. You see, so that that is the false prophet right there, okay? Now, how to recognize the false prophet? We go to our second topic. uh, And that's found in Matthew 7, 16. Jesus already says it for us. "But But by their fruit, you will recognize them. That is how we are supposed to recognize them. See, Jesus tells us, by their fruits you will recognize them. So we must evaluate the fruit of their lives and the fruit of their message that they, that they, that they spend uh, telling us. The message that they declare to us. We've got to evaluate them. We've got to evaluate the fruit that it produces. A person without a godly character will eventually be revealed and in his, with his or her fruit. You see, character traits and responses, see, the fruit of people, the fruit of the false prophet or, and their teachings, it's going to come out eventually through their character or through a response. Like you say something, they're going to respond a certain way. Like, oh, I lost it there. You know what I mean? No, you judge them by their fruit. You understand me? A person that produces ungodly fruit will mess around and confuse the word of God. This will then cause confusion within the church like that man. He got, he, I'm pretty sure he was saved at one point. He didn't wake up one morning and said, I'm Jesus. No, it was a process. You see what I mean? Like uh, Charles Sage Russell, the, uh, the founder of the, Jeho- the Jehovah Witness, he was a Christian. He was saved at one point. And then he started doing his own studies. And then he started doing, he started teaching his own thing. His, his heresy began to uproot itself. You see, a person that produces ungodly fruit will mess around and confuse the word of God. They'll twist it. Like the Mormons do. They'll twist it like Jehovah's Witnesses do. They'll twist it like every other cult does. 
Let's take a look at some of the fruit produced by the teachings of false prophets. We're going to take a look at the fruit of uh, Charles Taze Russell, who I just mentioned, the, the, the founder of the Jehovah Witness. Who knows who Jehovah, Jehovah Witness are? It's people that knock on your door and say, hey, can we talk to you, whatever. Yeah, when you see them, they're all dressed up in a suit and tie, and knock on your door and say, I believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Savior, and my God. That's it. I close the door. I don't want to hear what you're going to tell me, okay? Amen? Amen. See, see uh, so uh, Charles Taze Russell is the founder of Jehovah Witness. The organization, which is it called? In 1876, long time ago, right? 1876. Let's go ahead and show that video really quick. And we're going to see just how much of a false prophet Charles Taze Russell really was. And the fruit that he produced. According to Russell, no one could understand the Bible without these books. And reading the Bible alone would lead only to spiritual darkness. One of Russell's teachings was that Egypt's Great Pyramid was designed and placed there by God as his second witness next to the Bible. It would be an instrument to reveal his great plan of the ages for mankind. This measurement indicates the length of the year, the weight of the earth, the distance to the sun, etc. Russell believed his dates and chronology were confirmed by the measurements of the interior passageways of the Great Pyramid. According to Russell, the passageways verified 1914 as the year the world would end. Finally, 1914 came and went. Russell and his followers were not raptured from the earth, and the end had not come. John Knight, who was 15 years old at the time, remembers what came next. Well, when 1914 came, of course, uh, we had to change our views, just like we had to change the views later. The date was pushed forward to 1915. Then, 1918. Certainly, Armageddon was just around the corner. But in 1916, Charles Taze Russell died, sick, weary, and disappointed. A massive stone pyramid stands today at his gravesite as an embarrassing reminder of his false prophecy. He, predict, he said that the, the end of the world, Armageddon, will come 1914. 1914 came. Oh, I made a mistake. 1915. 1915 came. Okay, guys. Okay. I'm sorry. It's 1918. <laughs> Stupid me. <laughs> 1918. I'm sorry, guys. 1918. He died in 1916. He, wasn't, he didn't even live to see the embarrassment of his false prophecy. He didn't even live to see the embarrassment of the of the of the organization that he spent half his life to develop, and now there is a, a big pyramid that stands there as as an, as a reminder of his false prophecy. Guys, 1918 came, nothing happened. 2009, baby, let it shine. Amen. Nothing happened. You see, the Bible says that nobody knows. The Word of God says that nobody knows. Not nobody, not the angels, not nobody. So how is this man going to say that he knows? 
that's one fruit right there. That's rotten fruit right there. I'll, I'll spew that out of my mouth. So, number two, approximately, here's another, here's a fruit for them, okay? Approximately 7.1 million actively involved in preaching. Approximately 7.1 million Jehovah Witnesses are out there witnessing right now. 7.1 million. That seems like good fruit, right? It's like, wow, that's a lot of members. That, that's, that's good fruit, right? All right, that's, I mean, come on. I mean, if, if, like, if we have that many Christians out there preaching the word, that, that's pretty good fruit, right? But here, here, here we have barely, I don't know. I, I never see Christians um, witnessing, so I don't, I'm not getting into that. That's another message. But either way, 7.1 million. That's impressive, right? That's good fruit. Okay, let's see how good that fruit really is, and let's see how long that lasts. Because according to um, culthelp.info, there is a long history of suicide within the Jehovah Witness Watchtower organization. Some experts have estimated the, the rate of suicide associated with the society to be five to ten times the rate of general population. So they have a huge suicide rate. They have 7.1 million members that go out and preach this word, this false prophecy word, right? Yet a good majority of them commit suicide every year. Why? Because that's what a, this, this, let me, some news for you. A cult puts pressure on you. Jehovah Witnesses literally have a time card where they have to punch in and punch out because they have, they have to witness a certain amount of hours. And if they don't, they're not considered Jehovah Witnesses. You understand me? Jehovah Witnesses do not believe in heaven or hell. So they say, hey, you know what? If I shoot myself and I kill myself because I'm so stressed right now and I hate my life right now, my, my soul will just cease to, to exist. That's it. You see, that fruit, although it might seem good, does not last. It's not lasting fruit. And God calls for lasting fruit. Amen. So let's go to the third topic. The devil is a liar, and we all know this. The devil is a liar because he tells Yes, he lies. Like really like mm, the lies. The devil is a liar because he tells lies. <laughs> I love it. Amen. Let's turn your Bible to Second Corinthians chapter eleven. Ooh, quickly. Very quickly. Second <laughs> Corinthians chapter eleven. As I'm pressed for time. Let's go to verse thirteen. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then, if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness, there will be what their actions deserve. I'm sorry, their end will be what their actions deserve. So what's, uh, what's Paul telling the Corinth church right now? That there are false, uh, not just false prophets and false teachers, but there's false apostles. And an apostle is a church planner. So there's going to be people that church plan is, uh, that, that plants churches on false doctrine, on false teachings, on false beliefs. They're deceitful. They masquerade as apostles of Christ. But you see, Paul, Paul goes on and says, it's no wonder. It doesn't surprise me. Because Satan, the devil himself, masquerades. He dresses himself up as an angel of light. 
It is not surprising then if his servants, the demons, masquerade as servants of righteousness. That they suit themselves up as, 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 in little, in little um, righteous suits, little Halloween costumes, little righteous suits. Amen? Somebody say righteous suits. That's not for you. Don't believe in righteous suits, guys. Be the righteous. Amen? You see, we should uh, expect Satan to come forth as an angel of light and to temporarily give God enough glory to to deceive and lure people away from the truth of the gospel. So look, if the devil's going to come as as a light, he's going to come forth as the angel of light, then look, we got to expect that, yeah, okay, the devil is going to temporarily give God a little bit of glory, but just enough to get them into his hands and snatch them away. To trick them enough. You see, scripture, scripture teaches that intense preaching, strong belief, apparent enthusiasm for God and the working of miracles can be completely insincere and performed even under the influence of the power of Satan. So all that stuff can happen, guys, under the power of Satan. You see, Verse 22, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Jesus clearly tells us that the way that what may look like a miracle may actually be the work of the devil. Okay, guys, I'm going to say that again. Jesus clearly teaches us. He tells us. That what may look like a miracle may actually be the work of the devil. Okay? But God is so awesome and loving. Come on, let me get an amen. That people can still get saved from false prophets and teachers. They can still get saved from them. But how? That was like, what? No way. How is that possible? You see, somewhere within their teachings, Somewhere within their perverted translation of the Bible, yes, I said perverted translation of the Bible, there has to be truth spoken. Somewhere along the lines, there has to be a little bit of truth spoken because they're speaking the Word of God. And God will use that truth and speak to someone's heart. At that moment, when they're speaking that truth, that truth will speak into someone's heart. So if the message is truth, even when the speaker is not is not, so even if the message is truth, but the speaker is not, the person speaking is not truth, God, by His mercy and love, will use that within the hearts of those who sincerely receive the Word and trust the true Christ and the true teachings. Amen? Topic number four, not everyone's going to go to heaven. Turn your, uh, let's go to verse 21 of Matthew chapter 7, where we just read. Jesus tells us, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You see, not one person on this earth will enter the kingdom of God just by believing he exists. God, not, not one person is going to get into heaven just by believing that God exists, that acknowledging that God has authority, or even professing that God or Jesus is your Savior. You see, it's not enough just to say it with your mouth. 
But we must say it with our hearts and with our actions, with our lifestyles, with the way that we live. Amen? Unfortunately, many people will be led astray from these false prophets and teachers. See, these false prophets and teachers are going to lead them astray. They're going to say, no, that's not right. Come follow me. They're going to lead them astray. And although they may say to them, Lord, Lord, it means nothing because they did not do the will of the Father, but the will of man and the devil. And that's just, that is just, that is, oh, that makes me angry. That people, that Jehovah's Witness and Mormons and, and Islam, they, they lead people astray. They say, no, Christianity, Christianity is not right. It's so corrupt. Is this and that. Because they see what's happening within people. Hypocrisy. They see the division within Christianity. They don't see the body and how beautiful the family is. And because of that, they, they begin to say, oh, oh, what they believe is wrong. The devil begins to lie and they say, no, come follow me. This is the right way to go. And because of that, even the people who Jehovah Witness will say, Jehovah, Jehovah, Lord, Lord. And God's going to say, I never knew you because of that person led you astray. It's awful. It's horrible, man. It breaks my heart. You see, man, come on up for me, please. Get that song ready, Layla, please. See, it's awful and it's horrible and it hurts sometimes, man. It's supposed to hurt. It's supposed to break your heart. You understand? It's supposed to hurt you guys. But it's our job and obligation. It is our duty. It is what we have to do to snatch others from the fire and save them. According to Jude chapter 1, we have to snatch them out of the fire and save them. We have to go to the Jehovah's Witness, the Mormons, the Islam, the Catholics, and whoever else does not have Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior and save. We need to snatch them out of the fire. Amen? And save them. And to shine our lights. Sister, put that picture up. To shine our lights on those dying fruits. You see, we need to, we need to shine the lights of our fruit, the fruit that reproduces in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit, we need to shine that light on the dying fruit that is out there. You see, we need to create a spiritual photosynthesis. <laughs> that came to me out of nowhere when I was writing that. I was like, whoa, I know what photosynthesis means. Well, we took earth science, photosynthesis is the process of which a plant is growing and is living and is fitting off of the solar, uh, 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 off of the sunlight that radiates off the sun. Amen. So the sun comes down right when you plant, when you, when you uh, have a tree, it needs water and it needs sun, right? It needs sunlight. Exactly. We need to be that light. God is water. Jesus is the everlasting water. Amen. The living water. Jesus said to us that we are the light of the world. Let us shine our light and create a spiritual photosynthesis. Praise the Lord. It is up to us. Lower it down a little bit, guys. It is up to us to be able to recognize these false prophets. Elevate, it is up to you. It is up to you right now. You are prepared. You have been equipped. It is up to you now to to recognize these false prophets and false teachers and show them the mighty God we serve. It's time to show them. It's time to show the Jehovah Witness. It's time to show the Mormons, the Catholics, 
and all this. You do not know the God that we serve. Hallelujah. The God that we serve. The God of Jacob. The God of Abraham. Not from that book of Abraham. That false teaching. The real Abraham. The real father of the nations. Our God that delivers people. That uses us. Hallelujah. The God that heals. Guys, it is our job to snatch them out of the fire to let our light shine on them. Turn to your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 11 in closing. Proverbs chapter 11 in our closing scripture. And if we, everybody could stand up. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. Verse 30. This is our duty, guys. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. You see, the title of this passage was a tree and its fruit. What Jesus was describing for the tree and the fruit was the tree that produces false teachings, false prophets, dying fruit, not lasting fruit. But here, we have the fruit of righteousness, guys. The fruit of righteousness is the tree of life. And He, you, who wins souls, is wise. Let's win some souls. Let's be wise. I mean, who wants to be wise in this house? Come on, who wants to have that?